Welcome to Listening with Leaders. I'm Doug Noel, lawyer turned peacemaker. I teach executive leaders how to listen to emotions rather than words so that they can become the leaders everyone wants to follow. And I teach those same leaders how to be authentically present, available, and connected to their families, despite being insanely busy. I have learned that we are 98% emotional and only 2% rational. Learning how to listen to emotions is, in my experience, the foundational skill of life. Stick around to the end of the show, and I'll reveal how you can be on our next guest in 15 to 20 minutes. So let's get started. Eric, we're Thank you for joining me on Listening with Leaders. You are the principal at WCM Global Wealth Managers, and you can be found at ericweir.com. Eric spelled E-R-I-K, Weir, W-E-I-R. Thanks for joining me. It's my pleasure. It's it's my pleasure. As I said before the call, I was pretty interested that we were were both martial artists and we're both uh, airplane pilots. Um, Exactly. I (laughs) I don't know what it is about martial arts and flying, but... They seem to go ahead. Yeah, you know, you know, it's so funny is oftentimes martial arts flying and scuba diving. I find that I'll put a scuba dive to do that. I don't also scuba dive. I've done a little scuba diving. I am a water guy, but but I'm an alpine skier. That's kind of my thing. Well, I was going to say the other thing is skiing. Yeah, that happens. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it's regional. <laughs> yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about yourself. I know that you've you've done a lot of really interesting things in your life. Um, tell us a little bit about your life journey and how you ended up to where you are today. Yeah, I guess one of the most defining things for me was was a setback, right? I had a, an automobile accident when I was five years old, and I lost the ability to speak uh, with any fluency um, really till my late 30s. Wow. And it was really bad. It took me two days to even say my name. And, of course, you get hazed and picked on. And probably the most defining thing was my, was my non-politically correct uh, speech therapist, you know, I'm in there, I'm, I'm five years old, 1972, and my mind's eye, my legs are hanging off the side of the chair. But she tells me effectively, life's going to be hard for you. Everything's going to be hard. You're going to want to be reclusive. You're going to be withdrawn. You're not going to communicate. And, and, and that'll set you up for a life of failure. However, if you push through and realize every day is going to be hard, you push through the stutter, you meet people, you put yourself in front of things, you overcome those obstacles, you'll be very successful because you'll just see every obstacle as another thing to push through. And, and, and she was right. And my parents, to their credit, didn't say, oh, she's a quack or don't worry about that. She goes, that was some good advice. So they took, so they had set me up with a lemonade stand my very first day, right after, almost, in my mind, I was like, it was like that afternoon. It was right away. I was so lemonade. And I was five years old. We're near a school. And I made a sign, spray painted lemonade 50 cents. And pe- people would drive up and, when your name's Eric Weir, E's are hard to say, W's are hard to say, F's are impossible. So I was Eric Weir with a 50 cent lemonade. So they come up and how much is the lemonade? I'd point to it and I go, and then we'd say, how much is the lemonade? And I'm like, oh, so I go, 50 cents. And the best part of it is I never got 50 cents. I get $1, I get $5. It's fantastic. In 1972, I made $82 in, in my first day out at five years old. My dad came on, how'd you do? And I said, I made $82. He's like, yeah, I'm not sure I made $82 today. <laughs> so that was it. That was my start, right? But, uh, yeah, and it was funny. Then my second day, I go out, and I had a banner day. My parents are trying to set up the dinner table, and they're looking for the glassware. And they said, where is it? And I said, I sold it all. And then I realized 
about cost of goods sold. So I had two business lessons right at, right at five. <laughs> selling success with no cost. Parents covered everything. And then selling success where I had to replace the glassware. So both of those really taught me a lesson that I, I keep I keep in my mind today. And I guess after that, we ended up doing, you know, martial arts. Sadly, because I got picked on, right? I want to learn martial arts and defend my area. You know, create an air of like, don't mess with them. And I stuck with that for a while. And I learned a lot from my karate instructors. Chuck Norris was one. And I think the pivotal thing of, that I learned in the other code of ethics was number eight. that says I'll be... Uh, as enthusiastic about the successes of others as I am about my own. And that was really uh, something that stuck with me. And it's, and it, it, and they were talking about, about, about being grateful and being enthusiastic. And those were things I learned through martial arts. Wow. And then that, that I thought that to this day are quite helpful. Well, there's the third thing that we have in common. I grew up with, I had severe disabilities as a child. Oh, wow. And I had to do exactly what you're talking about, push through all of them with not, oh, a, lot, yeah. not, a, lot, not a lot of help. Yeah. yeah, that's how that goes. Oh, man. That's a brutal, <laughs> brutal childhood for sure. <laughs> oh, it's you get picked on all the time, and they get oh. nicknames and all kinds of stuff. Kids are vicious, so it was it was hard. And you know, then I you, know, you adapt to it, and of course, I picked up a whole bunch of bad attitudes. I mean, not that I sure trouble, but I mean, just emotionally, I was kind of a mess. It took me a long time to work through all of that. Yeah, interesting. So, oh yeah. So, so today you are which. What would you say your prime, primary business is today? I know you've done, you've done. I would say, yeah, we manage we manage money for a number of wealthy people, and I guess our focal point would be alternative assets, meaning things that are not directly correlated to the movement of the stock market or bond market. Hmm. Okay, um, and things we get involved in are things like you know helping people you know be part owners with us of self storage facilities, like physical self storage. Our top golf. We've done five in the U.S. and we're building quite a few of them in Europe now. So, so that's I mean that's a that's an alternative asset. It's a real estate. There's cash flow. So if, if you think of it that way, and I guess a way to describe it would be alternative assets. And we do a bit of of, of venture capital as well. So mm-hmm. venture capital and, and that basically means you invest in operating companies before they go public. Right. What um what what gets you excited in the morning to get up and, and get going? I'm excited. I mean, I just live excited. It's just like I'm excited when I go to bed, I'm excited when I wake up. It's just I love the challenges. I love the I love, you know, working with meeting new people. And I love, you know, doing something hard. I mean, raising money for Top Golf. And keep in mind, we got involved in that probably 2018 in the US and had some success with early locations. And then we're trying to bring it to Europe. And I kept asking, can I meet the can I meet the European master franchises? Because I, I, I like structuring deals and raising capital. And that's one of my strong suits. So, yeah, I met them and then we agreed to do business together. And we began to fund, fund their company along with some others. And um, then we faced tremendous challenges called COVID. So, <laughs> wow, they shut down entertainment venues. I mean, it was like, you're out, right? And then on top of that, you're trying to sell or educate a population about Topgolf that's never heard of it. And the fact that golf's in the name, they think it's like green grass golf and it's not, you know, it's nothing to do with that. And that was a very difficult thing. I heard over from a hundred different banks. I'm finding financing literally a hundred, hundred in a row. Never had that much resistance. 
But I will say about the European culture, I heard no in the most professional, polite way. I almost felt bad for them saying no to me. Like, oh, I'm terribly disappointed. We're unable to do this for you, Mr. Weir. And at the end of the day, you're like, wow, I mean, you're apologizing for them. Like they're emotionally impacted by it. But I, I never heard, felt so good hearing no so frequently. Huh. And, uh, but it all came together at the end. And then we opened up and, uh, and we've had a lot of success. We, we're now the one in Oberhausen has set six world attendance records. Despite when we first opened, there was only 4% brand awareness. Now there's over 50% brand awareness. So it's been, it's been very exciting. What is Top Golf? Exactly. Now imagine in Europe, you can go to Vegas and see one or California, but you're in Europe, they're a long way away. So it's basically an entertainment venue that's it's multi-level. It's three levels of of hitting bays for lack of a better word okay. and the hitting bays contain sofas and love seats and chairs or it could be bar stools and tabletop and there's food served right and then the 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 median is a golf club you're hitting off a mat right and this and the ball is being tracked with a laser technology and you have widescreen tvs that, that you can watch sports or things on it or watch your your own gameplay so if you think about it, it's, it's entertainment meets meets golf, meets food, meets a bar, meets meets music, and it's very uh, infectious. And you know, you, you um, if you if you hit a golf ball, there's something that happens in your brain, just the, the connectivity and uh, physicality of it. And then you and, and then you introduce uh, food, beverage, uh, American music, um, and and a lot a lot of laughter and enjoyment. And it's very very popular. For example. We may have attendance approaching three thousand people in one day, you know. So it's uh, it's it's very well attended. Wow, and and so this is this is just a place that people go to, like a bar or a theater. Yeah, it's bar. It's it's eleven acres of you know nine, ten, eleven acres. It was actually bought by a public company, Callaway Golf. The U.S. Huh. Uh, part was, and and now it's becoming a very large portion of their business. So much so that Callaway changed their name to Callaway Tech. Wow. Um, so it's a, it's a very, it's a big thing. It feels like, it feels like um, I was talking to people there trying to explain it. And I said, well, they, they didn't think it would work. And I love people tell me stuff like that, you know? So it was like, okay. And I'm like, was your grandfather telling Ray Kroc that McDonald's wouldn't work in, <laughs> in, in France because they, they have, they like more sauces or it wouldn't work in Italy because it's not pasta. Our, our Starbucks wouldn't work in London because it's not tea uh, or it wouldn't work in China. When you realize Starbucks had the best earnings ever just recently because of China and they thought it wouldn't work in China. Right. And it's sort of like, I feel like Ray Kroc in the 1950s taking a concept to Europe. Huh. Interesting. So what is it, what is it that, that's unique about you that you bring to all of this? I think I'm a visionary and I can kind of see things that don't exist. And I like to, and I can put things together in my head of like, you know, how can I structure a business? How can we source capital and talent and then empower the people and then not micromanage them, have them do what they do best and just report back. So I think that's something I've been able to figure out over the years. Um, and there are plenty of things I don't know how to do. And, and one of the best things is to try to find people that have, you know, a different skill set than I do and empower them. And, and then I try not to drive them too crazy because oftentimes the visionary personality 
and the and, and the operations person they, they have an appreciation for each other but they frustrate each other that's right, <laughs> that's right. So, <laughs> and it's not I, visionaries aren't always the best to execute a plan either oh we're terrible at that no we're good at, we're good at casting the vision but i recognize that i recognize i and i and boy boy i sure have some amazing people who have been partners over the years and particularly now that that their their skills you know, wildly exceed mine in that area. Mm-hmm. But you you see the stuff that nobody else can see and and persuade them to follow the vision. Yeah, the, you know, there's you know without you know without a vision, the people perish is a proverb, and um, and the the more you can see it, the more energy you have, the more a clarity you have of what you want to accomplish really in anything in life. When you're trying to vision cast a, a concept that doesn't exist in a foreign country, that was a new level. That's and, that, um, that, would that, that was a new level. And, and then raised, you know, fifty million dollars to do it. So wow. that was a that was a big that was a big undertaking, and we got it done. Yeah, so. patience and persistence, right? Actually, yeah, persistence, yeah, for sure. Patience as well, and then just you know, resilience. So it's it's. Uh, I, I read I, I read something the other day. It's not a proverb, but it's almost like one. It said that uh, that uh, you know, intelligence is great, but it won't overcome persistence. You know, and yeah. we went through all the, all the different all the different attributes we could have, and basically, persistence is the one that pays that pays the dividends, like through tough times and good times, and. And I would say persistence and gratitude. You know, you'll never, to me, you'll, you're, you're, you, you will never climb higher than you are grateful. That's right. Gratitude is huge. And I don't think we're, I don't think we are all nearly as great, uh, express our gratitude as often as we should. No, that's so, it's so so true, but it's, it's really makes life a lot easier and you're more, a more pleasant person. And you realize you don't take yourself too seriously either because you'll have setbacks and, I told my sons growing up, I have five sons. I said, there's two types of people. What's that, Dan? I said, those who are humble and those who are soon to be. <laughs> there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, it really is. I, I resemble that comment, so I, I need to. <laughs> I know in my former life as a trial lawyer, I, I encountered, encountered that kind of problem a lot. Oh, uh, sure. Sure. Interesting. Um, so you, what advice would you give to a young person starting out today? You've been around. Well, that's a great, that's a great question. So um, I would say. I was going to say it's so different. What we, what we grew up with is so different than the world that exists today. Yeah. And, and, and I was talking to a graduating class uh, last week, not at the graduation, but there just happened to be a class in, in the finance. I was talking to the, at, at the university. And a lot of them are concerned about a recession that we're in, the, the hearing of layoffs and fear and all that's gripping them. And I, I, in my opinion, they're, they're probably starting at one of the most exciting times in history where techno- you can accelerate with technology. You mean chat GBT, who knows what that, that does, but <clears throat> certainly can be used to educate, to articulate, to represent. And I feel like there's so much access to capital and education that is really almost almost limitless. Like if I wanted to figure out how to do something, I can put it in Google. I can watch a YouTube video. I can all this. There's so much opportunity today. And I've never seen more people uh, who are complacent and almost entitled. So if you are 
focused and have a little bit of ambition and persistence coupled with the availability of information technology, I think the, the um, gap between that person and the complacent sort of not motivated person will likely be wider than it ever has been in history. And so a few are going to be very successful and the rest are going to be not so successful. It feels that way, but I think they'll have a reasonable quality of life. But I just think that maybe that's part of it because they're able to have a reasonable quality of life without doing a whole lot. Right. And, and I think that more than any time in history, that's the case. If you think about somebody today, uh, more people have better health care than John D. Rockefeller had. People have better means of transportation. They have uh, more assess accessibility to information and education than he had. And he was the richest man in the world. And that wasn't that long ago. And that's a massive change for humanity. And if you're focused and intentional, I think what you can accomplish is unbelievable. So directly, I tell people, think of five areas of life. What's your belief system? I call that faith. And then think about your family, your fitness, your finances, and your friends. And, and think about, imagine that was a wheel, this were a spoke. And all of us are going to have some variability. You know, maybe our finances are bad or relationships are taking a hit or, or whatever you believe. It's not always going to be round, but if you're aware where it needs time, as you go through life, it's helpful because oftentimes you put too much emphasis on one area with a lumpy wheel. And, and at some point, the areas you ignore uh, will tax you in the end quite heavily, where you try to spend time and resources to get your health back or to get relationships rekindled or to get, you know, just, just, life and get, get away from you know I, I was uh looking at at uh talking to my brother uh, uh yesterday and we're like wow i remember like our, we just talked i remember 1972 and that was a long time ago right and and you know i remember like it was yesterday and time just goes by so, so quickly the days are long and the years are fast so. <laughs> that's a great thing yeah 1972 let's see i was um uh, a junior in college yeah i went to dartmouth so I was there you go. Yeah. Great school. Remember a long time ago. Um, interesting. So this show is called listening with leaders for a reason. I'm, I'm really a big, I have a real big thing about listening. Tell me about the importance of listening in your work and what you do. Well, well uh, my mom had a lot of wisdom. I grew up, she goes, Eric, and I stuttered anyway. So it made, you know, listening easy for me. Right. But she said, she said, you have two ears and one mouth. Mm -hmm use them in that proportion. So I'm like, okay, okay. So that was good. So, I mean, listening is, is, is very important. Obviously you're, you're a student. I'm a lifetime learner. I'm finishing my master's at Harvard right now. I have a one more semester. I was actually there this last weekend and I did that not to advance my career, but to, it's just something I've always wanted to accomplish and I enjoy it. And I want to do some adjunct uh, teaching. I thought that'd be a good credential to have. But I'm listening, learning to them. I, I list, I've learned people, things from an Uber driver. One of my greatest li life lessons was from an Uber driver one time. I was like, I was so brilliant what he said. But I think you can learn from just about everybody if you keep your ears open. And you can learn things to do and you learn things not to do. You know? And I think that that's really important. And then I think for, to sharpen your mind, um, you know, either you use Audible, you listen to books or read books. But I, I tell people to always be working, always work on a book all the time. Oh, I try to, I try to read 52 a year and, uh, and, and then I try to do very different, different things and sometimes different topics, but it's a, it's, 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 it's fun. It's, it's educational. And I, I learn a lot. 
and you you, you oftentimes can be a little bit a little bit more conversant uh, if you had a little exposure to something. That's right. Um, do you get what kind of airplane do you have? I have a Citation, so that's a oh, that's a jet, uh, two pilots, uh, nine in the back. So it's a and you rated you rated in it. I'm rated in a King Air. Uh, no, I'm not. I'm rated through uh, through King Airs. I sold my King Air, I guess, uh, two years ago, and, and went into a partnership with another 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 two gentlemen on a Citation. Huh. And I must say that I miss flying, but it is not bad right being a passenger either. So I've, I've, I've begun to enjoy that. Yeah, um, but I've actually had the itch to get something uh, that I'm comfortable in or get something. Or learn, but this particular citation is one that requires. A, it's not a, a single pilot airplane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah and I, I'm at the complete opposite end of the spectrum. I've got a little RV six, two seater. Oh, those are fantastic! Yeah, those are great. And screaming fast little airplane. Um, yeah, I have a I have a friend of mine who owns a Pilatus, but he, his favorite thing, and I'm, I'm not even sure what he calls it, but it's he basically has a effectively a fan on his back. And it blows up this kite effectively. And it's almost like kite flying. Or I don't think that's the correct name. But you go like 50 to 80 miles. And he's just, and he's literally gets up in the air like 500 feet. And I'm like, wow, that's interesting. He thinks it's safe and fun, but I, I haven't, he hasn't talked me into it yet. <laughs> I, don't I don't know my advanced stage where I really want to take it. Yeah. I'm not sure I'm, I'm down there either. No, no. So uh, you you've been alluding every now and then that you know life is not always straight and straight and yeah. easy. What do you do? What do you do when you when people bring messy situations to you? I, I get that a lot. So it's a I mean a messy situations. I don't know. I, uh, I think the more activities you engage in, the more opportunity you have for uh, for that sort of thing. But I just you just stop and 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 think. And I, I a lot of times there are situations that you can improve upon. Sometimes there are things you just try to have a controlled crash, you know, and, there, <laughs> you know, and, and there's some, there's some things that, that, um, you know, you, you can maybe do a lot with, right. And I've always said that, that setbacks are opportunities for advancement. And if you, you know, so there's all, there are always opportunities in that for learning or even making different choices. But I try to start it with, Knowing what I now know, what I do differently, if it's something that I contributed to uh, or was there, or if it's like, you know, knowing what I know, what should I do? And, and I try to think if it's financial, one of the hardest things to do is there's something called sunk cost, something you've already spent. Like, say, you're, you're researching a drug and you spent millions of dollars on the drug and then a, a new, uh, someone else leapfrogs you, another head of you, will never catch them. You can double down and put more money in there to say, you know, that was, that's gone. It's just gone. Right. And try to look at the new investment as separate and apart. Needs to make a decision based on that. And sort of the same thing with time or you know, it can be relationships. So it's kind of the same thing. So how does your finite life, finite resources, finite ability weigh into making decisions and dealing with difficult situations? Then I often find there are people that know things I just don't know. I find that every day. So sometimes I get perspective from di different people and, and other things that I could do and learn from. Uh, from them or have some people to, to help me to, to solve the problem. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. And oftentimes you have a blind spot. Like uh, you can be one of the things about being a determined person is sometimes you don't say when soon enough That's and, right. and other people can, can, can weigh in and give you some assistance. Like, you know, maybe this one's, maybe this is run its course, you know? So. Yeah. Having, having, getting the, 
having the ability to take a different perspective, change your perspective on stuff is, is, is really useful because we, you know, we get stuck in a, a mindset and absolutely getting out of that mindset can be really difficult because it takes a lot of effort. You know, there's a certain inertia that decisions have and breaking that inertial cycle is, is, can be really tough. And so getting a different perspective, using, having advisors or trusted advisors. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Give you some, give you a different framework from which to examine things seems to, seems to be really helpful. Um, no doubt about it. What do you think of all the projects and things you've done so far, what's the one thing you're most proud of? I guess I've, I've, I guess I guess being able to say I was part of taking Top Golf now to I mean to four foreign countries is interesting, and I've, uh, now in the U.S. be of it in five countries, and then I think you know um, writing my first book called Who's Eating Your Pie was something I'm was kind of like an opus of, of kind of all the things I've learned and, and from other people and shared, and that, that was something that I'm proud of and. And working the project you see on the screensaver behind me was one that I uh, helped to to do it in my in my in my hometown of Greenville, South Carolina. Hmm. So, so that that was something that, of course, there's no no one ever accomplishes anything alone. You know, there's always a lot of people helping you. But those are things that are uh, give me a, a sense of joy and accomplishment. And then on the and then you know on the personal side, you know, seeing your children grow up and make make decisions that you're proud of and and, and have them face their own struggles and setbacks and come through them. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's fulfilling. It can be wrenching. It can be difficult, but it can also <laughs> be something you look back and like, you know, attaboy, you know, <laughs> that's neat. Yeah. There's a certain thrill about getting that opening up the, your, the crate of the, your, of your book, first book and opening up and pulling it out. <laughs> and, right. Yeah. And I, I wasn't sure. I thought my mom was going to buy the only copy. And uh, so how many copies do you want, mom? And then I was going through the Atlanta airport last week and I saw that was, it had a, a, a Ford uh, facing display next to a book, much, much better selling book than mine, but it was there nonetheless. And what? I've seen a few airports now and it's, it's, it's some, it's some libraries, universities. So I was, I was, I was thrilled to see that. Good for you. Yeah. I've, I've written four books myself, so I know the process. Wow, that's, that's a lot of work, isn't it? I was, that's another undertaking. I had no idea it was a job, too. So I was like, wow, this is a lot. My fourth book, Deescalate, How to Calm an Angry Person in 90 Seconds or Less, was actually pretty easy to write. Uh, wow. Because I already was material that I've been teaching for a long time. Um, I'm the co-founder of a project called the Prison of Peace Project, where we go into maximum security prisons and train people serving life sentences how to be uh, powerful peacemakers to stop prison violence. And Gee, whiz, that's incredible. Wow. Yeah. It's an incredible project, uh, but the, my students um, were begging me to write a book that they could share with their families, and they knew I was an author, and I said, okay, fine, I'll do it, and I, I had so many stories from prison and experience teaching this stuff. The book, the book practically wrote itself in about six weeks. I, I, that's so were, exciting, yeah. Yeah, the other ones were tough. I mean, I, they were, they're great books, but they, they took a lot more effort, but the fourth one was pretty simple. I think yeah, mine was nine months, and then I trashed it. And I thought each chapter needs to give somebody hope, and it needs to give give somebody a direction, and it needs to potentially change a life. And if it didn't do that, I, I just kept working on it till at least I thought it did that. Oh, I love that. that. I love took, that. It took extra time. Yeah, that's a great. I mean, the whole the whole idea is to give value, right? And, and make right. it, your 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 reader is investing 
time that they, they are giving up forever. Right, right. Read your stuff. So deliver deliver good value. Um, interesting. Huh. So today you're busy. You're you you're busy with Top Golf. You're busy with uh, yeah. wealth management firm. You, have you gotten yeah. out, gotten out of the entertainment business? We didn't talk about that. You, you were a film. No, movie. no. I'm actually looking at another movie. So I've I've been part of about fifty films. Uh, you know, um, either through owning a firm that did marketing or or having some that we helped to finance or some combination of the two and. And, and, you know, again, it's like everything else. A lot of people can, can take credit for it, but, you know, but and, and been partners with fantastic people and that have done it, but, and it, it influenced culture in some ways. Um, so that's been great. I'm looking at another movie now. So I've done, I've been helpful, but been part of with, a, I, I guess, uh, a, a, a Unbroken, the, the, the Path to Redemption, Soul Surfer, uh, 90 Minutes in Heaven, you know, Heaven's for Real. I can only imagine there's certain things, whether it's like marketing on the side or, in, in some cases, help to invest, and now I'm looking at one that's more of a of a secular film, with a, uh, a, a with an A-list actress and 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 a comedy, and I, I don't think I can discuss it too much. I'm not sure I'm going to do it, but if I'm, I might be at the concept film festival soon. Wow! Um, and and if if I'm there, it'll be because I'm I'm choosing to take a part in, in this movie. Um, but if it, 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 it'll be a large, a larger budget with some, some bigger names, most of the stuff I've done historically has been more of an independent nature mm-hmm. or a smaller budget or more in the faith and family space. Mm-hmm. This would be one, just a funny movie. Uh, everyone, everyone needs a laugh. So it's, it's, it's that kind of film. <laughs> Sounds like something you're kind of interested in. I'm interested in it. Yeah. I mentioned, I guess, and in the last year, I guess we've, we've, uh, financed or I think three films in the last maybe 12 to 18 months. Uh, are partially financed in three films. And that's always, always fun to do. It's kind of like a, you're having, a, a, you, you, you don't really know how it turns out, you know, until, until, until you're done. And, and it's, the film's a little tricky. It's in transition now between uh, is a theatrical release, is a direct, is on demand, is go to Netflix, you sell to Amazon. And, and there's a, it's kind of a fun, fun thing, but you, uh, you if you have to make a reasonable movie, you have a reasonable opportunity sometimes to exit with a reasonable return. Or you can go into theaters and have a less a less predictable outcome, but if you, right. but if you feel good about it, maybe a better outcome. So it's kind of a it's, it's an interesting time. Uh, interesting. Well, one more question: um, What's the one thing about yourself that we would never know unless you revealed it to us? Oh, probably the stutter is, is is one of them. I guess the I guess others are just you know there's there's so many things, but just trying to. I mean, for me, an important thing is is being grateful, as I said before, overcoming obstacles, uh, telling the people in your life you love them um, as often as you can. Uh, I hug my sons every time I see them. <clears throat> I think there's ages when they were just horribly embarrassed that that would ever happen. You know, come here. Just, <laughs> come on, bring it in. And now they're just all dad. Come on. So, you know, it's kind of I mean, that's something. So trying to show affection and appreciation. Uh, to me is really important to do in, in life. And I certainly enjoy it myself. But I say that, that's something I don't share. But if you know me, that's kind of how I am. I love to kid and tease people a lot. Like if I've known you for three minutes, I'm going to give you a hard time. But, but in j- joking and j- just just enjoying a laugh together. There you go. Well, it, it, to me, you are a perfect role model of how a successful businessman should be. So 
Thank you so much. Very kind. Today. It's been my pleasure. And, and thank you so much. You bet. Doug Knoll here. Thank you so much for listening to Listening with Leaders. If you are a successful executive leader who would like to be on this program, please visit podcast.dougnoll.com slash podcast. If you got something out of this interview, would you please share this episode on social media? Just do a quick screenshot with your phone and text it to a friend or post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on the social media to let them know about the show and include the hashtag listening with leaders. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We are regularly putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. Want to know more? Go to my website, dougnoll.com, or follow me on LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. That's at Douglas E. Noel. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on the next show.